Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. And so as you guys know, if you've been here, we've been um, going through a series entitled Re. It's a remix of a series that we did years ago, but I think it pertinent to where we are right now as a church. And um, we just need to reevaluate some things in our lives. Um, and so today we're going to take that a little bit further. Um, you know, oftentimes in our Christian walk, we forget how to imagine. We forget to use our imagination. And so today's sermon is entitled, Reimagine. Anybody remember this? When you was in school, look at everybody, uh-huh. Yeah. What about MASH? Anybody remember MASH? Yeah, that was good. Nobody can tell me I was going to live in a mansion and marry Janet Jackson. <laughs> you know, my kids, they try to roast me about that. They go, Janet Jackson, she old. But I'm talking about Penny from Good Times, Janet Jackson. <laughs> a Willis girlfriend on Different Strokes, Janet. That was my bae. I was going to get married, and I had these dreams. And I also was going to have a nice car. Y'all might know about this car. It was called Kit. Anybody remember Kit? Showed it to my kids, and they said, that looks like an old car with an LED on the front. I said, shut up. I didn't even know what an LED was back then. It was nice. It was fly. But somewhere along the way, we stop imagining. We stop dreaming. Why? Because life comes at us, and people tell us that those are pipe dreams, and we'll never accomplish the things that God, or if you weren't in the church, that you, know, you want to accomplish. Um, and so I call it time and inertia, you know. Uh, I was going to be a lawyer at one point in my life, but then I looked at how much school there was. I said, nope. I'll take the easy way out. I'll become a software engineer. No school. Well, I've dreamed about various things that would happen in my marriage. And then when time and inertia hits and things don't end up being the way that I thought they should have been because you presented yourself differently when we were dating and now you're different and now I'm seeing your flaws and your flaws are mixing with my flaws and it's all flawed up in this house. <laughs> and so I stopped dreaming. Or maybe we have ambitions and dreams for our children and then, you know, they don't quite become the straight A student. They might get into some trouble. Aaron, they might smoke a little weed. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. And all of a sudden we say, you know what, this child ain't going to never amount to what they're supposed to be. And so I just want to reimagine today. I want God to reach down deep on the inside of you and resurrect dreams today. Can you remember when you first became a believer? And your idea about how God had cleaned you up and maybe you went to a church or, or, or fellowship, or Bible study, or something, and, and, and you was there for an extended period of time, and then you saw other believers that really wasn't living up to their dreams, and then all of a sudden you was guilty by association, and you stopped dreaming. Maybe God gave you a vision of what church was supposed to be, and church never quite ended up being what you thought it was supposed to be, and so you was like, well, this is just the way it's going to be, and so I'm just going to walk this walk until I die. I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing until I die. But Let's reimagine for a minute. Let's reimagine a church where more activity happens out there than happens in here on Sunday morning. Let's reimagine a church that not 
10% of the people carried a heavy load, but everybody are all together on one accord, living and moving towards the mission, vision, and values of that church. Last week, I talked about <coughs> our, 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 our planting from Austin Christian Fellowship, and then when we left, we took a lot of the vision and values of that particular congregation. And then people came in and there were people who came in and wanted to be a part of what we were doing. And they wanted to some wanted to come alongside the vision. Some wanted to hijack the vision. But the vision hasn't changed. And so let's reimagine a church where a member needs a kidney. And the elder gives his own kidney. Let's reimagine a church that goes out and ministers to the homeless and washes the clothes of the homeless and feeds the homeless. Let's reimagine a church where members are in need. Some needed, have needed transportation and other members have given them cars. Some have needed a place to stay and members haven't had a whole lot, but they say, listen, I have an extra bedroom. You can stay there. Let's reimagine that. Let's reimagine a church that goes to a foreign nation and small as a small church and they go and they change the trajectory of a ministry in a foreign nation so much more that they increase ministry by the time that church leaves. Can you imagine that church? Can you imagine a church that has a moving ministry and every single time a single mom needs to be moved, men raise their hand and they go and they help them move. And sometimes not only single moms, families. Let's imagine a church that around Christmas time, there are families in need who can't afford to buy their children Christmas gifts and the church rallies around them and make sure that those kids can enjoy Christmas. What do you mean that baby can't have no Christmas? Imagine it. Imagine a church where people can come as they are and they don't have to put on form formalities and they don't have to act like they're better than they really are and they can just show up and be loved and embraced. Imagine a church that while the world is falling apart and dividing along socioeconomic lines, dividing along political lines, dividing along racial lines, they can come in and they can love one another. Imagine that church. And if you can imagine that church, that's this church. Each and every one of those stories is true about this place. You know, someone asked me, just this week, they said, um, and I'd heard this before as a church planner, you hear these kind of things as you read these books. They say, if your church were to leave the community, would your community miss you? If your church were to leave your community, would your community miss you? And I had to ponder and I had to think for a second and I gave a real political answer. But if we imagine our church as just being a congregation that comes together and we go out and we serve together like on fifth Sundays and we go out and we impact the community like that, I think we missed the point. I'm not saying that we don't continue to do those things. I'm not saying that our community doesn't continue to reach out to the greater community. But here's the thing. Our community is already being impacted by people who sit in these seats. And if you haven't had the pleasure of joining God and working in a new type of church, a church where we understand that we all are priests. And that God has given us all a vision and a mission. And God has, God has challenged us to go out and change out there. That God has called us to make disciples. And we don't make disciples by sitting here and singing songs and preaching. That's a part of it. But we don't make disciples like that. We make disciples by putting life on life. 
make disciples by talking to the people next to us in the cubicle. We make disciples by going across the street and talking to our neighbors. We make disciples by going into the nursing homes and, and, and the hospitals and loving on people there. Imagine a church that doesn't have to be too big that can go out and impact the community. And it's not about buildings, butts, and budgets, but it's about, it's about believers. Believing in the dream that God has given them. Reimagine a church like that. And this morning, we want you to reimagine. We want you, we've been talking about vision for the last couple of weeks. We want you to see, hear, and hear the dream, hear the vision, hear the values of this church, and see where do you fit in here. And I know this is bad. The elders might cringe every single time I say that. If you don't feel like you fit in here, then listen, let me help you find some place that you do fit in. But we are looking to make disciples in a way that is not so different than every other church in the world, but it is the way that God has called this house to make disciples. About vision, about mission, about values. And so today we're going to set it up with a story. We're going to talk a little bit about this guy named Joseph. Anybody ever heard of this guy named Joseph in the Bible? Some of you may have remember him from Sunday school with the flannel graph of him with the many colors and his daddy liked him more than his other kids. I don't know why. I don't love none of my kids more than other kids, but only one of them is sitting here right now, so you're my favorite right now. <laughs> it depends on when I'm talking to them. They, 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 they fall out of favor sometimes, Brandon. I don't know. But Joseph loved him more than anybody else in his household. And when we pick up this story in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph is about 17 years old. And the scriptures tell us that his brothers don't like him very much. As a matter of fact, they hate him. Because Joseph was a dreamer. Because Joseph was a dreamer. So Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 8, we're going to read. This was a family with a lot of drama. Now, I don't know how much drama you have in your current family, but I don't think that you, maybe you do, but I don't think many families have as much drama as this family had. This family was jacked up. This family was jacked up. Genesis chapter 37. How much do I always do that to Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 8. And it says, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So evidently, they already hated him. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. I find it ironic that this is around the time the Bible tells us that Joseph is around 17. And I know their culture was a little different back then, but our culture is like this now. When you start turning 16, 17, 18 years old, people start trying to take your dreams from you. Maybe some of you guys in the room, you've, 
you, you've understood that pain that you wanted to be X, Y, Z, and people around you were saying you will never be good enough. You're never going to be able to do that. Who do you think you are? Your mama was no good. Your daddy was no good. You ain't no good either. And so they take your dreams. I find it ironic that Joseph was a dreamer, but he wasn't the only dreamer in the house. If you know that he didn't have to interpret his dreams to his brothers. They knew immediately when he told the dream what the dream was about. And they said, who you think you are? Because if somebody came in and told me they had a dream about some sheaves and some stuff rising down, sitting up and bowing down, I'd be like, I don't know nothing about that. I don't even know what a sheaf is. And so they hated him. They despised him the more. The Bible doesn't go into detail, but maybe they provoked him to anger. Maybe they, maybe, maybe, maybe they said bad things about him. Maybe they brought up his past. How are you going to go do that and you can't even do this? How are you going to act like you all that in a bag of chips? Where did this dream come from? Notice he didn't say God gave me a dream. He said he had a dream. And I love the way these sermons fall together. You know, y'all know tomorrow is the day uh, that we celebrate Dr. King's birthday, who is most famously known as having a dream. He's famously known for having a dream. But Dr. King's dream didn't just show up. And I think sometimes in the faith, in our walk, we'll have a dream, and we expect that dream just to knock on the door and say, here I am, it's fulfilled. But Dr. King had to go and do the work. And so dreams happen while we're sleeping, but when we wake up, we have to imagine. See, imagination is provoked while we're awake. Imagination is when we, we think we process through some stuff. Imagination is where strategic planning happens. And oftentimes in the church, we know that God has something for us. We know that God has a dream for us, but we don't want to do the work. Dr. King had a dream that, 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 that this nation would be impacted and this nation would be changed, but it did not come easy. He had to work. He had to be despised. He had to be kicked. He had to be beaten. He had to have the dog set on him. And his pain, his toil, his turmoil is actually what brought other people into his sorrow and what actually changed things. If not, his dream would have went to the grave with him. So some of us in this room, we're challenged because we know God. And I've, I've spoken to some of you. You've told me specifically, God called me to this place. But maybe it's fear. Maybe it's attitude. Maybe it's just, just situation. That you're not leaning into the dream of the house. Of the church. Because you're too busy. Because you ain't got time for that. You got other stuff to do. But you feel like if you get close enough to what God would have you to do, then God will see and say, hey, you know what? Come on, you know, just, just, just favor on you. But God is serious about what he's called you to do. And I hope that you're reimagining even now what God is saying to you. Watch this. Some of us got to get to the place where we can reimagine or we can have another dream. Verses 9 through 11 says, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. He said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brother indeed come and bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept 
this saved. Now, I don't know about you, but after that first dream and after that first bit of ridicule and after that people tell me, I ain't going to come tell you my dreams no more. Especially when my last, my, this dream sounds a lot like my last dream. You see, the dream didn't change, but he had to redream. And I don't think Joseph understood the fullness of the dream, but he knew that something was going to happen and this dream was going to come to pass. And so his brothers and, his, and now his daddy is against him. I can take my brothers, but now daddy's against me. I don't know. I've never shared this with a whole lot of people, but I'll share it this morning and we'll cut it out in the podcast because we don't want to offend nobody. But listen, because we're family here, right? I've been a part of two churches before this church. The first church I left, I left because I heard clearly, you can no longer dream in your father's home. You can no longer dream under this ministry. I heard it clear as day. And I went and got, I, I sought counsel, I talked to elders, uh, I, I talked to people in leadership, and I was like, what does it mean? They're like, I don't know what that means. A year and a half later, God brought it to pass. And I had to go. I like, I had to go. It wasn't that this church was necessarily doing anything bad or this church was necessarily in sin, but God had put something on the inside of me that wouldn't allow me to remain. And I say that this morning, and again, elders probably cringe when I say this. Maybe you're sitting under this thing and God is giving you something different. Listen, don't sit here miserable and make other people miserable, please. I love you. I'll help you find someplace else. I will. I will. We can sit down, we can talk, and we can walk through it, and I'll counsel you, and I'll walk through it with you. But if God is calling you to something else, please, please, please hear me. Please, please, please go do what God has called you. But as far as this house, we have a dream. If you're waiting here, if you're sitting there waiting for things to change and us to just say, you know what? We tried that for four or five years. It didn't work. Listen, listen, we're going to try something new. Listen, don't try to wait us out. Because we believe in our heart of hearts. We believe in our soul that this is what God has called us to do, to make disciples who know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. And it ain't going to change. We are going, listen, we are going to put our energies into small groups. We are going to do Fifth Sunday serving opportunities. We are going to do foreign and local missions. This is just who we are. This is just what we're going to do. Because God has given it to us to do. And so reimagine yourself in the context of that. Or reimagine what God is calling you to do. Elders means it's going to be fun this week. And so they hated him. Listen. At times, those who are closest to you will not be able to understand how the dream will be accomplished by you. Not that they weren't going to bow down to anybody, but I'm not bowing down to you. Not that that can't be done, but you can't do it because I know you. I'm familiar with you. And some of us, some of us in the room right now, we have to get over who we are and understand that when God has given us purpose, when God has given us something, that he's going to bring it to pass. And all we have to do is show up. All we have to do is participate. And God has given us a mind to dream. But listen, you can't allow the haters to stifle your imagination. 
put it in my notes, but I took it out. It said below that, haters gonna hate. <laughs> Why would you think a hater gonna do anything else but hate? But it can't stop you from doing what you're going to do. I was looking at this thing the other day, rabbit trail number one. I was looking at this thing the other day, the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, who like started making Pez dispensers online, like he's one of the richest men on the planet. Now he's going to divorce, so I don't know how much that he's going to keep, but like he have a whole lot, like $125 billion. I mean, like, take half. I don't, I don't need all this. I don't know. But um, he said once, he said, if you are going to make lasting impact, you have to be willing for people to think you're wrong for a really long time. And I believe just by conversations that some of you think that like, like, like what God has spoken to you, what God has called you to, maybe, maybe, may, maybe I miss God. Because we live in a microwave society. God said it next Tuesday, like Amazon, it should be on my porch. They got an app now. They show you when your delivery show up and the delivery man actually takes a picture and shows that he dropped it off on your porch. And we want God to do that for us. We want to go, and go, go to God in prayer. And God says, it's going to happen today. And you started praying yesterday. Don't work that way. Because listen, listen, here's the thing. So y'all need to hear this. The dream is not about you. You see, Joseph's problem was, I believe he's 17 years old. He might have thought the dream was about him. Y'all been hating on me all this time. Check this out. Keep on hating. I had two dreams about it. Daddy, you told me to do the dishes. <laughs> you and mama going to bow down too. And the dream wasn't about him. Also, the dream is not about the destination. We're going to go a little further in the scripture. The dream is not about the destination. The dream is about the journey. Because in it, God is sanctifying you. And what God has called you to, I've said this before, you've heard this before from me, what God has called you to is the primary means of him sanctifying you. God called you to it because it's hard. And he's not going to snap his fingers like a genie in a bottle and just bring that thing that you have felt from God to pass. He says, no, you're going you're to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Go ahead. Because as we do that, it draws us to the cross. Our dreams go through the cross. I'm going to move on. There's a lot of scripture to cover. Sometimes we believe that the people who should be our biggest supporters, they're actually the ones who want to kill the dream. Watch this. Genesis chapter 42. Oh, that's too far. Genesis chapter 37. The brothers were out in the field, tending their flocks. Here comes Joseph just bopping down the street. Joseph wasn't too wise. You don't got all this drama. You just boop, boop, boop. And he sees this man. He says, have you seen my brothers? I think I saw him in the field over there. So he goes, and as they see him approaching, listen to what his brother says. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Here comes this one who thinks he's got it going on. Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Wow, extreme. All for a dream. Then we will say to the then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what has become of his dreams. 
Sometimes the people closest to you, the people that you feel like should be supporting you, the family unit is the most so, so supposed to be the way that God orchestrated was supposed to be the supporting unit. And so the, the people who we think should be backing our dreams, sometimes the main ones who want to kill your dreams. That's why Jesus said a prophet is not on, on in his own home. Y'all my folks, y'all my people, y'all my neighbors. And sometimes the dream, because the enemy knows this. He knows this. That's Job. Satan goes before God and says, listen, um, I'm going to tempt Job. Watch this. Sean, we can paraphrase. He's going to curse you and want to die. The, closest to supposed to, the person supposed to be closest to Job. The first thing that was uttered was out of her mouth. Why don't you just curse God and die? Listen, your dream ain't supposed to be easy. The dream is just to get us on the path, but then we have to work it out. We have to imagine. We have to strategically plan. We have to start making steps toward accomplishing what God has told us to do. Don't raise your hand, but how many people in this room right now, you have sensed God say something to you and you have yet to do it? One of my buddies, he gave me this bit of information. There was a deathbed confession from another minister. And as he was by the deathbed, he asked the minister, were you afraid? The minister said, yeah, but it wasn't because of salvation. Because he knew that God had told them to do something. They just didn't get around to doing it. And they didn't want to stand before God and have him wipe away every tear because they were afraid to do certain things that God had asked them to do. I don't want that to be true of anybody sitting under my voice right now. Listen, if you've since God has told you to do something, and you simply have become stiff-necked towards God and said, I'm not going to do it, listen, it's not too late. Repent, turn back to God, and ask him for the courage to take the steps. It's that And so his brother said, we're going to kill him. One of his brothers was like, no, y'all, we can't kill him. How about we sell him into slavery? Oh, that's much better. And so he devises this plan that when his brothers are away, he will rescue him out and take him back to his dad. But while this was all happening, it started moving a little faster than he anticipated. And next thing you know, he went from the pit to a slave. And as a slave, he ended up in Egypt, which was uh, uh, the place where, as you, if you know the story, Israel was eventually going to have to be ransomed from by God. And so they, he ended up in Egypt in this man called Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar was um, um, a dignitary. And he had a palace. And before you know it, Joseph, God showed favor on Joseph, and Joseph ended up being in Potiphar's uh, house and one of the head servants in the house, which was awesome. And then Potiphar's wife started getting thirsty, and she wanted a piece of Joseph. And so she tried to get a piece of Joseph, and Joseph was like, he wasn't having it. And so he ran off, and while he was running off, she ripped off his, off his clothes. She was, she was real thirsty. And so he ran off, 
and then uh, he got in trouble, and he ended up in prison. A fabricated Me Too movement way back then. And so he done went from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. He's sitting in prison. Sitting there, rotting in prison. And then God showed him favor, and the prison guard, uh, the person who ran the prison, showed him favor, so he became a trustee. That's a word, right? Trustee. He became a trustee. That doesn't mean they trust you in prison. And so he's a trustee. And so uh, Pharaoh, who's the head of all of Egypt, he has his cupbearer and this baker, and they get in trouble. And so Pharaoh puts them in prison. And they have a dream while they're in there. They have dreams. And so Joseph being gifted and in interpreting dreams, he interprets their dreams. And well, it didn't really end too well for the baker, but the cupbearer was restored back to Pharaoh's right hand. And so Joseph told him, he said, hey, when you get out there, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Tell Pharaoh what I did for you. I'm sure the cupbearer's like, man, I got you. But then the Bible says the cupbearer got out of here, forgot all about Joseph. Forgot all about him. And so his dream is dying in the prison. So he thinks. It's not going to come to pass. How can it come to pass? Like, like, literally, you're labeled a rapist, and now you're in prison. Talk about some scars against his character. Talk about some flaws in what's going on in his life. We all got a pass, right? Maybe some of you think that you can't do or you can't accomplish the vision. You can't accomplish what God's called you to because of your past. And so anyway, two years later, so he's in prison for another two years. The Pharaoh has a dream. We're at chapter 41 by here. So Pharaoh has a dream. And so the cupbearer goes, oh, yeah. I know a dude who can interpret dreams. So he calls Joseph to his quarters, and Joseph interprets a dream, and, 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 and the Pharaoh is pleased. But here's the thing. Joseph did not only interpret Pharaoh's dream, he told Pharaoh what he was supposed to do with his dream. See, sometimes it's not good enough just to dream. Sometimes you have to know what to do with the dream. And so some of us, we might be stuck on, like, I have a dream. I don't know what to do with the dream. And so you need to go back to the dream giver and ask the dream giver, what am I supposed to do with the dream? What am I supposed to do with this? Now, if we get cancer, or they're going to cut off uh, 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 the light, so they're going to kick us out of the house. We start asking God real quick what I'm supposed to do. But in regards to the dream, are we going to just let it lay there dormant in prison? Or are we going to reimagine that the God who's able to do a seeding abundantly above all I can think or imagine? If He's given it to me, He can bring it to pass. The Bible says that the work that He's starting you, He's faithful to bring it to completion. Don't allow your prisons, don't allow your pits to deter what God is wanting to do in your life. But we got to rise up and fight, church. And so Joseph interprets the dreams, and he tells Pharaoh what to do. Pharaoh's like, that's darn smart. Go ahead and do it. And as a matter of fact, listen, all y'all, he's talking to the whole kingdom, all y'all, are subject to this man. Not me, though. 
Like he's second to me, but ain't nobody else higher than him. So he went from pit to Potiphar's to prison. Now he's in the palace. In charge of all of Israel. I mean, all of Egypt. Now see, let me give a little context. Think about someone who's a shepherd boy, who, by the way, Egyptians despised shepherds. Think about a shepherd, a farm boy here in the United States, maybe, farm boy. Good old boy from farming, don't know a whole lot, ain't been to college, just, you know, just farm. All I know is farming, right? All I know is farming. And so he's a farm boy. He's sold into slavery. We don't really know slavery like that, but say he, 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 he's hit skid row. He's hit rock bottom, right? Then he goes and he gets a, a, a glitch on his record that said that he raped this lady. He goes to prison, and now all of a sudden he's at the White House. Sovereignty of God. God gave it, it's going to come to pass. God gave it, it's going to happen. You might go through some detours in your life. You might go through some stuff. You might end up where you don't want to be, but God is going to bring it to pass if you are clear that he said it to you. Listen. That's what we feel about the vision of this church. And I don't know how it's going to happen. We are currently, um, 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 I'm sitting around 50, 60 people on a weekend. I think God's going to change this area. He ain't done it yet through us, but I think he will. I believe that when somebody asked those que- that question, I don't know the timetable, but I believe when someone asks that question, if your community leaves the community, will the community miss you? I can say emphatically, yep. But listen, it don't happen with just me and the elders sitting in the coffee shop praying and strategically planning. It happens with boots on the ground. So can you reimagine with me this morning? And so Joseph ends up second in command. Second command. The famine hits the land that Joseph prophesied for his family, and his family is starving to death now. So daddy says, listen, go down to Egypt and buy some. We need food. The the family's not going to make it. You need to go down to Egypt. And so the brothers go down to Egypt, and they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them. Plays a little game on him, trying to get a little revenge, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what was in his head, but he did some stuff. Strings him along. And now look at Genesis 42. It says, and Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. You mean to tell me all this time that went in the back of Joseph's head? He was going through all this, that went in the back of that what did that tell me? Joseph lost a dream somewhere. Somewhere along the way, Joseph lost a dream. And it wasn't until he saw his brothers again that he remembered, oh, yeah. Listen, we can ill afford to lose a dream while we're on our journey. Why? Because then we lose sight of God. You can't tell me Joseph did not feel forsaken in that prison. You can't tell me that Joseph did not feel forsaken. When his brothers had sold him. You cannot tell me that Joseph did not feel like that he was just rejected. The only people that he knew. Now, you see, 
Do we, listen, like, let's not read into the story with our modern context. Like, he didn't have the internet. And back then, people didn't encounter other people outside of their families. It just wasn't like normal. And so he had lost everything he knew. He can go on Facebook and cyber stalk his ain't he You got to, listen, you felt forsaken. You felt alone. So why are you telling us this in the context of church vision? Listen, 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 listen. Some of you are sitting in those seats right now. You feel like God has forgotten about you. And you muster every bit of what you can to show up on a Sunday because you know it's what you're supposed to do, but you don't feel connected to God. Because what you sense that he said concerning you hasn't come to pass. Listen, I drew this on my my notes on purpose. He remembered the dream from Genesis 37 and Genesis 42. Now, some of you say that's only a few chapters. No, that was 22 years. 22 years. You can ill afford to lose sight of God. Watch this, verse 45. The brothers came and they repented to Joseph. We're so sorry. Like, if we would have known, we wouldn't have did what we would have did. And Joseph regained perspective. Listen, when he laid sight of who God was and what God was doing, look at the perspective that Joseph had. He said, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth. You thought you was trying to destroy me. God sent me here. God allowed this to happen to me. To keep you fools alive, that's what I was said. To keep you alive for you and all the survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me the father of Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and ruler over all of Egypt. Listen, what you, he says later in the, in, in the book, what you meant for evil, God turned it for good. Stop despising the roadblocks in your life. God is trying to work something out of you. That when you accomplish whatever God has placed inside of you, that you will be standing before Jesus, holy right before him. Like I said, what he's called you to is what he's using to sanctify you. 17-year-old Joseph would have never said that. Sometimes you got to go through some things. Listen, I said earlier, the journey ain't about you. It ain't about you. The vision ain't about you. It ain't about you. It's about others. I say it every week. Listen, it's about those people out there that God is trying to draw into a relationship with you, with, with, with him, and you so worried about you that you're forgetting to look towards God and say, God has put me in these people's life for purpose. I know they're pushing me away. I know they don't like me. I know they're talking bad about me. But God has put me in your life for a purpose, and I will not release and let go of this vision until God says something different. And we wake up every morning thinking about ourselves. Woe is me. I'm in prison. But we know the Savior. We know who he is. We have resources in heaven like no other people know, and we're sitting on them. We're trying to fit in with the rest of the world. Hmm. 
finally, the dream came to pass. Like I said, 22 years later, his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in a place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for it to be good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly of them. I don't think some of us have the capacity to speak kindly to folks when we're in such a situation. You're waiting for God to bring it to pass. Maybe God's making, waiting for you to become something. Maybe God is waiting for you to yield it and put it all at the foot of the cross. So what am I asking this morning? That's a long story, Pastor. What are you asking this morning? Listen. One, I want you to lay aside all your thoughts, all your preconceived notions about what church is supposed to be. I do. I want you to lay aside all your strategies that you have thought that I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this. And I want you to submit those to the scripture this morning. What is God calling us as a church to become in our community? Because we're the hope of the world. And the elders and I, we realize we can't accomplish this vision, the three of us. This won't happen. So I'm asking you this morning to be willing to raise your hand. What has God gifted you with? What has God placed on the inside of you? What is your desire this morning? And I want you to come alongside our vision and say, listen, um, orphans. I really feel like God's called me to work with orphans. I've just been scared. I've been sitting on it. Uh, I've been feeling this inkling for like 10 years. What, what am I supposed to do? Wow, that's amazing. Like we have the same vision that you should come alongside orphans. Well, you know, like God has really given me a heart for senior citizens, and, and, and I just really want to be a part because, you know, they, they, they're, they're neglected and they're rejected. A lot of times they sit in these homes and no one comes and loves on them. Hey, guess what? We have connections there. You know, I really have a heart for feeding those who don't have enough to eat because I grew up and I didn't have enough to eat growing up, and so I really have a heart for that. Guess what? We're connected with a food bank that does just that. And listen, this is not about the name Northeast Community Church. It's not. It's not about making our church great in the community. It's not. It's about making Jesus famous in the community. And so we're willing to partner with other ministries. We're willing to partner with you. Listen, maybe you have a gift of hospitality, and you know God has gifted you to be hospitable. When people come in your house, they love being in your house. You're not one of those people that when you go to your house, they like they can't move, and so they don't want to. And so they, 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 you listen, come in, love being in here. Guess what? Small groups are the way that we are going to connect and reach people with our vision. And so, guess what? You got a house. We want to send some people to your house. Well, I got a gift to teach, and I'm anointed. Man, you ought to hear me teach. Listen, small group leader might be for you. Man, I got an old dusty drum set at the house, and I ain't played drums in years, but I used to be pretty good. Guess what? We got an old dusty drum set in the back. <laughs> Listen, we are asking you 
to reimagine your space in this church. Listen, love you all. If you don't volunteer, keep on coming. I get that. But some people, butts and seats, God is calling you to do something else. God is calling you to do more. You got a wonderful smile. We need people to smile at the door. You like kids. We got kids. I ain't going to point the sister out, but one sister, her eyes are like, "Mm -mm. we don't want you back there. (laughs) Why? Because we need to accomplish something. We need to get to the place of where we are worshiping God with our very being and not just for this hour and a half on Sunday mornings. With all that's within me, I'm going to worship you, God. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.